Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Why are we doing this? What are we promoting? It's possible, even as born-again Christians, to have hang-ups, hurts, and habits that need to be broken. And in this listing here that is up here, I wonder if you see yourself in at least one overworking, overeating, alcohol and drugs, overspending, grief, guilt, anger and rage, fear and anxiety, divorce, abuse, sexual addictions, codependency, insecurity, perfectionism, hypochondria, hurtful relationships, gambling, lying, procrastination, and the need to be in control. Are you in there anywhere? If you are, you're hurting. And so we've decided that we're gonna entitle this series Helping the Hurting. And this is the third in a series that we're teaching. So if you'd be so kind as to stand, Matthew chapter 11, we'll read our text together. I really appreciate Celebrate Recovery. If you've never been there, could I recommend it? It would be a great place for you to visit and it'd be a great place for you to bring your friends. Say, I don't need to go there, I got everything together. Do you have any friends that don't? It'd be a great place to bring them. An opportunity for them to be ministered to, and the church gets to minister to. This is, this is about, folks, let, let me make sure that we're still focused. This is not about us. This is about the Great Commission. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's our mission. You want a mission statement? That's our mission statement. Seek and save that which is lost. So if you feel secure in your relationship, which I hope you do, and you're growing, that's great. But we've still got a world to reach out to. There are people out there that are hurting, and you may not feel sufficient in yourself to minister to their needs. Well, then bring them to the body of Christ. Bring them on a Sunday morning and know that they're gonna hear a message about helping the hurting. Take them to a celebrate recovery meeting and minister to them and be ministered to. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is there anybody here that wants rest? And take my yoke. Once the rest comes, the work comes. See, you can't work if you don't have strength, if you haven't rested. So he he promises rest, and then he says, and then take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and again you will find rest under your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So we're going to pray that we can help 
the hurting today in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Just in a quick review, and by the way, in your bulletin, if you uh, got a bulletin today, there is a handout, and you can fill in these blanks, and I'll try and tell you what word goes in the blanks as we go along. But just as a little bit of a refresher, lesson one had to do with realize it's recovery, one letter at a time. Starting with R, the word R represents realize I'm not God, admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do wrong, the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. Lesson two, the E stands for earnestly. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. And today, we're going to talk about consciously choose. Lesson three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. The first and most important thing that you can remember out of this entire time is that Jesus loves you and you're important to him and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan and a purpose for your life. Now sometimes we get stuck in the mud or we get stuck in ruts. How many of you have been stuck this year in the snow or in the mud? And uh, you may be real good at rocking the car backward and forward, put it in drive and then stop and then put it in reverse and try and rock it out of the rut. But if it gets stuck, and I mean really stuck, I've seen some people that have buried the car to the axles and they're trying to get out of the rut. Guess what? You're not getting out. And you can spin your wheels all you want. You can be frustrated, but you're not getting out. What you need is you need a tow truck or somebody with a big enough vehicle to pull you out of the rut. You can't get out by yourself. You can't get out by yourself. You need somebody and something to help you. Now sometimes you might wanna call your brother, but when you're really stuck, no matter how big your pickup truck is, you might need a good tow truck. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that Jesus can pull you out of the miry clay, set your feet on the rock to stay, get you back on the road of life. You don't have to sit there and spin your wheels and be frustrated and angry and worried. Somebody is there to help you. He is an ever-present help at a time of need. Amen? But don't just sit there and spin your wheels. Get some help. Well, why would we not ask for help? Well, here are the reasons that we don't ask for help. The number one reason is pride. That's, that's number one on your sheet for filling in a blank. Pride. Listen to what Proverbs 8 and 13 says. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. 
Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God hates pride. But pride is the thing that keeps us from getting the help that we need. We don't want to admit, and this is especially true of men, we don't want to admit that we don't know where we're going, that we're lost, that we're stuck, that we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. We want to feel like we're in charge, we're in control, and we're gonna get ourselves out of this. Don't John Wayne this thing. Don't be a lone ranger. Get some help. Find somebody you can trust. God and at least one other human being. For me, uh, I, I know it's hard to, to trust a lot of people, but after God, the first person I trust in my life is my wife. Your spouse ought to be somebody you can trust. But you know what, sometimes, as a man, you gotta have a really, really close man friend that you can trust. You know that if you say this to your friend, he's not gonna repeat it, he's not gonna condemn you, but he's gonna give you good advice because he cares about you. If you don't have anybody like that, you need to pray and ask God to give you a friend. You need a friend. That's not in my notes as heavy as I'm saying it right now, but it is necessary. And it's true for women too. If you're having struggles in your marriage, ma'am, do not find another man to talk to. I gotta get more than two amens for that. <laughs> Do not find another man to talk to. And men, don't you find a woman to be your best friend. That would be a huge mistake. It's either your spouse or your gender. Somebody said amen. amen. Okay, you got it. Number two, the second reason is guilt. Why don't we ask for help? Guilt. I got myself into this mess. It's my fault that I am where I am. That's a good start, but you can beat yourself to death with that too. You admit it once, you cry out for help, and you move forward. You don't beat yourself up every day and say, well, I'm in this condition because it's my fault, so I have to stay here. That's what guilt will do. It'll keep you in the same place. And it will not allow you to get the help you need. Number three, the third reason that we won't ask for help is fear. Fear. Now, I want to give you a different twist of fear here. It's not, it's not fear of people, but it's a fear of what you're going to have to give up. Why would I not approach God for the help that I need? Fear. Because if I ask God for something, God might ask me for something. And I don't know that I'm willing to give up what God asks me to give up. We get afraid, we're fearful. 
Everyone wants a savior, but not everyone wants a Lord. But, but, you can't have a savior until you first have a Lord. And so we're afraid to make Jesus our Lord. What is the cost, we ask? What is the cost of being a Christian? Can I ask a question in rebuttal to that? What is the cost of not being a Christian? What will it cost me? How much did it cost Jesus? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What am I to be? I am to be a living sacrifice. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for you, and he wants you to be a living sacrifice for him. But we're afraid of what it will cost. But can I share this with you? Since I've become a Christian, I can agree with what Paul said. I hate the things I once loved. And I love the things I once hated. Can you say amen to that? I was so afraid of what it was going to cost me. Might cost you some friends. Well, you know, if I become a Christian, I I can't go to cheers. I can't go out to the bars anymore. Well, you're going to save a lot of money there. Health is going to improve, but, but they're my friends. I'm going to tell you what, I lost every friend I had when I came into the church. But every friend, everybody that was in the church became my friend. I got more friends today than I've ever had in my life. And they're the kind of friends that aren't there because of what I can do for them. We're in this thing together as a family. And sometimes there's giving and sometimes there's taking. But some of our friends are just takers. And when you don't have any more to give, they're gone. Remember the prodigal son? He had a lot of friends as long as he had money, but when the the money was gone, he went to the pig pen to eat. Is that the kind of friends you want to hang out with? Don't be afraid of what it's going to cost you. You're going to gain more friends. You're going to gain your health. God's going to be your Lord and Savior. He's going to take care of your needs. What's another reason that we won't go to him and ask for help? This may be the biggest one of all. Worry. Worry. See, We worry when we're not in control. We should worry when we are. 
If Rick Kylie is relying on Rick Kylie's abilities and talents, he's in a heap of trouble. But if God be for us, who can stand against us? But we get worried. Take a look at at, uh, Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew 6. Now, where the word thought is in this passage, I'm going to substitute the word worry. I'm not forming a new doctrine just for the sake of illustration, okay? I'm going to change thought to worry. See what Jesus is trying to say here. 6 and 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no worry for your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or your body or what you will put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than the raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not clothe you? Are you hearing this? O ye of little faith, therefore, don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink, or how will we be dressed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the worry of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Just take things one day at a time. Now here's what I want you to see. Worry is a rebuke to God. I know that sounds harsh, but it is a rebuke to God. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, we had a Wednesday night service and the mortgage payment was due the next day. And we were really short. And I I try not to talk about that a lot, but we were really short. So I went to the preacher that night. We had a young man that was going to speak. And uh, I said, now, tonight, please, don't forget to take the offering. We got to make that mortgage payment tomorrow. Don't forget to take the offering. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. You know, talking to me like, you know, you're an old geezer and you only have to say it once and I get it, you know. I said, okay, okay, you got it, okay. What happens 
he gets in the pulpit, he's anxious to preach, he forgets to take the offering. And Brother Thorpe wasn't there to wave at him. (laughs) Brother Thorpe covers a multitude of mistakes around here. But Brother Thorpe was not there to wave his arm that particular night. So no offering was taken. I admit to you, I was worried. And then I was angry. I thought, I told the guy one thing, one thing. And I'm at home now, and I'm walking up the steps, and I'm telling God why I'm worried and angry. And God says, wait, when you worry, you're not trusting. You can't trust and worry at the same time. It's impossible. And I said, God, why are you rebuking me? He's the one that forgot to take the offering. And he said, because you're worrying again. Quit that. Okay, God. And I went to bed. I got up the next morning. Here's our charming secretary. She says, we forgot to take the offering last night. Yes, I know we did. And she said, but what you don't know is somebody came up and handed me an envelope for a large amount of money. And I mean, it was large. And the Lord speaks to my mind again and says, see, I don't even need to t- for you to stick with your plans of taking an offering to supply the need. God, God knows our situation. Whether you're the pastor of a church and you're concerned about everything in the building or you're the head of your house or you're the wife of a home, he knows what your need is. And he will get it to you when it is required. Maybe not before, and you can spend your weekend or your week or even a month of worry, but it always shows up. So I went to this person. I normally never do this. I don't talk to people about what they give. I don't, normally I don't do that. But I went to this person and I said, you will never know what your generous offering meant that you gave on Wednesday night. And the person said to me, she rebuked me. I I gave away the gender. She rebuked me and said, oh no, pastor, you're wrong. I know exactly what it meant because I just did what God told me to do. Now, I don't mind getting rebuked as long as things are taken care of. But what I'm learning, what I'm learning and what I'm trying to give you today, and you gotta get this, because I know I'm putting the emphasis on worry. When you worry, you're not trusting God. You're in control. You're watching the numbers. You're looking at the situation through your human eyes and you're saying, this is being neglected. This need is not being met. Where are you, God? When are you gonna do this? I will do it in my time, 
This is what God's, here's God's answer to you. I will do it in my time and I will do it my way. My thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your ways. My streets are made of gold. Yours got potholes. Who are you to talk to me? So I'm learning that when I'm worrying, I'm not trusting, and there's another thing I'm not. I'm not thankful. Now, again, I'm talking from my perspective. If you were teaching, you'd be talking from yours. But we took on this big mortgage, and we've been there 10 years making this big mortgage. That means for 10 years at 12 months, 120 times God has come through. And he's used you, and he's used others to do it. He may bounce around and say, now I'm gonna use this one, this is what I want you to do, and he's gonna go over here and say, I want you to do this next month. And That's not for me to figure out. But I should be thankful for 120 months. And so should you. And that should build trust in us. Now if God can do that for a large amount, he can do it for your amount. That's the reason I'm telling you this. If you wanna know my motive, that's the reason. Your mortgage is nothing compared to this mortgage. And if God can do it for us, he can do it for you. So stop worrying and start being thankful for all the months he has and start trusting him for what you need now. Praise God. Stop worrying. As the song used to say, don't worry, be happy. Now you're going to start singing that in your mind and I've probably lost you. Doubt. The fifth thing is doubt. Mark 9 and 23, Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. We can relate to this guy, can't we? We know God can, we just don't know if God will. But the reason that we should believe that God will is because God has. You see, trust is something that's earned over time. Has God earned our trust yet? Is God trustworthy? Then we need to stop doubting. We need to be all in. We need to, to burn the ships of going back to where we came from. Do you know what a kamikaze pilot is? It was a Japanese fighter pilot that flew planes at a target and crashed into them, of course killing himself and destroying the plane, but destroying his target as well. Did you ever hear about the kamikaze pilot that had 33 successful missions? So how do I take the next step? Number one, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I accept the fact that I need a Lord and a Savior. 
Number two, I accept God's word as my standard for living. These are blanks that you can fill in on your sheet. You see, life is really an open book test. And that book is the Bible. And the answers are not multiple choice. They're just true or false. And you get to use the book. Number three, I accept God's will as my strategy and goal in life. Psalm 40 and 18, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is written in my heart. I accept God's power as my strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Are you getting it? I need help. Let's stand together. I want you to picture something before I read this last verse of scripture to you. I want you to picture that Jesus is standing next to you or in front of you right now. And know that he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and that he loves you. But we turn our back on him and we try to work out our own problems our own way. And here we have the answer within arm's reach. God, you can go stand over here in this corner or you know what? The person that comes over there and prays, go and help them. I, you know, I know they're going through a tough time. Lord, I'm gonna pray for them. What about you? No, no, my problems are not that great, Lord. I, I can work this out. And then when we get stuck in the rut and we're overwhelmed and we say, God, where are you? He said, I've been here the whole time. You just never asked me. Well, today is a day when that changes in our lives. Today is a day when we admit that we are children and he's the father. I wa I've always wanted when I was raising my kids, I was never upset with my kids when they came to me with a need because I felt like I was supposed to help them with their need as a parent. I couldn't always supply their wants. No parent can. But the same is now true spiritually. Whether I'm 64, 84, or 104 or less, I still need a father. I still need help. I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody that can help me. Revelations 3 and 20. This is what I believe Jesus wants you to hear in conclusion of this message. Behold, 
I stand at your door and knock. And if any person will hear my voice and will open the door, then I will come in to him, I will sup with him, and he with me. God's knocking on your door today. Did anybody ever see a picture some artist drew of supposedly Jesus standing at a door and knocking? If you've ever seen that picture, take a look at it one more time. While he knocks at the door, there's no handle on his side of that door. The reason he can't get in is because the only way he can enter is from the handle that's turned by us on the other side of the door. Can you hear him knocking today? He's trustworthy. Let's come to this altar as children today. Let's talk. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.